Welcome to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Here is your host, Antoine Martel. Welcome to another episode of A Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing with Antoine Martel. This episode is going to be about using cash or using financing for your real estate investments. So kind of the way that I want to talk about it is I'll just talk about the different types of real estate investing. So fix and flip projects, turnkey rental properties, burr projects, or when you buy a property, rehab it, rent it out, refinance it, and then repeat. So what should you use for those? Um, and then I'll also be talking a little bit about multifamily and whether you should leverage cash or financing. Um, so first, let me start by talking about fix and flip projects and whether you should use cash or financing for those types of projects. So do you have a couple different options with fix and flip projects? Um, the first being hard money lenders, second being equity investors, and third being using your own cash. So first, hard money lenders. So hard money lenders can be found um, on a bunch of different websites online. You can type just hard money lenders, real estate, and a bunch of different companies will pop up. Uh, somebody that I work with a little bit, even though I really hate hard money and don't use it at all, is Lima One Capital. They have a bunch of different programs for real estate investors. They fund a bunch of different types of projects. Um, so that is one company that I would definitely look into. Um, so hard money lenders are great because you don't have to put that much cash down. You probably have to put 20%, but they'll fund you know 80% loan to value on your projects. Um, so it's a really great option. You typically want to watch out for the fees that they will have for these kinds of loans. Um, and they can be very costly because they're going to charge 12, 13, 14%, especially if you're a new investor, it's, it's going to be on the higher end of that spectrum. And then they're going to charge three points as well. Um, and what a point is, is pretty much if you get a loan for a hundred thousand dollars and the hard money lender is charging three points, you're going to have to pay $3,000 in fees just to get that loan. Um, and typically hard money lenders also have points minimums. So what that means is they'll charge three points or $2,500. Now imagine if you're doing a project for $50,000 and you need to raise $40,000 from them and you have to pay $2,500 in, in points. You know, now your, your points are ridiculous. They're over 8%, 10% in points that you have to pay. Um, it becomes ridiculous the amount of, of fees that you have to pay. So Typically, a rule of thumb is if you're going to do a fix and flip project and you're doing it less than $100,000, you're going to want to fund it with your own cash or use other people's money and leverage other people's money, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But hard money lenders are, are really good for large projects that require a lot of cash um, where that that three points or $2,500 kind of becomes a non-issue because a project is so big. Um, and you also want to make sure that Something to watch out for when you're doing a hard money loan is to try to not do it for, for projects that are for a very long period of time. What I mean by that is if you're doing a like an addition or, or something like that and you want to use hard money and it's a 12-month long project, that's a whole ton of interest that you're going to pay. Um, you're going to pay interest every single month on that loan. And what if that property doesn't sell? Um, and what if the property you know is on the market for three, six months longer than you expected? Then... You know, do you still have profit anymore because you're paying, you know, 1% a month on that loan um, for a $100,000 loan? That's $1,000 a month that your profit's just dropping. <coughs> um, 
So you want to make sure that you have enough spread um, and be very conservative with your numbers when you are getting a hard money loan just, just for that because you, you do have a lot of interest. There's a lot of other people you have to pay off um, and you have to pay them off a lot of money. Um, so make sure you're, you're underwriting your deals very conservatively when using hard money lenders. Um, hard money lenders too are a little bit easier to work with than the big banks, which is a plus, but they still require a ton of information. Um, they don't give you all the money up front. Um, they're going to require draws. Um, so what draws are is, let's say you start a rehab project and it's $50,000. So they'll give you a certain amount of money up front to start the project. And then they want to see photo evidence or some sort of evidence that the project has been progressing and that work has been done before they give more money to the contractor. Um, and that's something that, that you can you know implement in your own system when you're flipping houses. And I would implement and I implement that into my system. But when you have a, it's a little bit different when you have a hard money lender telling you what to do and they request it from, you know, information from certain people. It's not like you can just send somebody over there to go and check it out and take a picture. Um, mostly the hard money lenders will, will want somebody on their, on their side to go and check out um, the deal to make sure it's moving along and moving forward. So the second way to really fund those, those fix and flips would be using equity investors, which I think is the best option. Um, unless you have uh, a ton of cash where you can just do the whole deal by yourself. Um, equity investors and utilizing other people's money is going to be the best option in my, in my, um, in my mind. So the way that I typically set up my fix and flips with equity investors is let's say the project is a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to buy it for 80, put 20 into it or you sell it for 150. Let's say that's a really good deal. But, um, so that I'm going to go to an equity investor and I'm going to say, Hey, this is the project. We need to raise a hundred thousand dollars. The ARV is, is uh, $150,000. Can you come to me with 80? You bring $80,000 to the table. I'll bring the extra $20,000. So I'll have some skin in the game and then we'll split the profits 50, 50 in the end. Um, so the investor will put up 80 grand and get $25,000 in profit. And then I'll put in 20 grand and get $25,000 in profit. Um, so that's a typical way that I set up all my deals. And, um, you know, typically I want the, the investor to make a 20 to 30% return on, on their money. So that's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I'd much, I'd much rather build a relationship with, with somebody I know, or, you know, a family friend or a rich uncle or something like that, who can continue to fund my deals and doesn't request, you know, very specific information or information about me and my personal finances and my W-2 job and where I work and my tax returns, you know, bringing an equity investor to the table who knows what real estate investing is and what it looks like. Um, you know, you can start to build a relationship with them and, and things move much quicker. Um, you can go call an equity investor. Let's say you have a successful project with an equity investor and now it's time for the next deal. You know, you can fund that money in, <coughs> in a day or two or even you know, move their money over from project one to project two, um, without doing, without much hassle. Um, so that's why I really like using equity investors. You build a relationship with them. They're not going to request any personal information of you or they shouldn't it should just be strictly about the deal. Um, and they're kind of on your team. Um, and you don't have to pay any, pay any fees for that money either. So imagine every time you use a hard money lender, you have to pay three, $5,000 in fees, but Every time, so that's $5,000 less in profit that you're getting every deal. Whereas if you use equity investor money or, you know, friends money, family's money, other investors money, that's $5,000 plus extra 
that you have in profit for every deal. The next way to fund your fix and flip projects would of course be with cash. Um, and of course, if you're lucky enough to have cash and um, to do your own deal like that, then that's terrific. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Um, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in cash and you, let's say you can fund that whole deal that we just explained, um, by yourself, 80 grand purchase price, 20 grand rehab, 150 ARV. So let's say an ARV, by the way, stands for after repair value. <coughs> That's what you're going to sell it for once the project is done. So if you're lucky enough to have a hundred grand in the bank and be able to fund this project on your own, um, and then you're going to make $50,000, right? But what if you took that $100,000 and split it up into five deals? So now you're, you're, you have five houses that you're doing. You put 20 grand of your own money. You raise the rest for each of those projects. And each project, you're going to get $25,000. Now, $25,000 times five is going to be $125,000 instead of the original $50,000 that you were going to make. So... Oops. So that's $75,000 more money that you just made from splitting up your money and diversifying your money yeah, even into a bunch of different projects. Yeah, it was it was going to be some work for you to go and raise that equity investor money from other people and stuff like that, but is that $75,000 worth it? That's what somebody makes in a whole year and just from splitting up your money and finding some other people to fund your deals, you make an extra $75,000. So I would not recommend using cash. I think for the best, the best option for fix and flips is using equity investors, putting a little bit of money um, of your money as skin in the game and funding the rest with other people's money. <clears throat> so the next kind of project that I want to talk about is turnkey rental properties. You really only have two options here, um, conventional financing and using cash. Um, so conventional financing, of course, is the best option. You can lock in terms, 5 to 6% interest rate with 1% in fees um, from a big bank like Wells Fargo, Bank of America. Lock in that rate for the next 30 years at 5 to 6% interest, which is a terrific rate for the next 30 years. Um, with low, low fees, all they're going to do is do an appraisal on the property, make sure the value's there, and then they're going to give you the loan. Typically, you put 20% down. Um, and it's a great option. Returns for turnkey rental properties are anywhere from 16 to 20%. You put 20% down, so 15 to $20,000 in cash that you have to put down. Um, but you, fun, you finance the rest and um, cash flow pretty nicely. So that's why um, financing is great. Um, the other option would be using cash. So <clears throat> buying the property all cash and not using financing. And this may be some something that people would do because they don't have a steady W-2 income or don't have a steady job over the last two years or whatever it may be. So another option would be using cash. And again, cash is a great option. You can get you know 9 to 10% return on your money for buying turnkey rental properties. Um, something else you can do if you have a lot of cash is ask the seller for seller financing. Um, typically, turn turnkey providers don't do this unless you're going to come up with a lot of money um, up to the table. So typically like 50%, um, down payment is something then a turnkey provider may consider, um, doing seller financing, but really buying turnkey rental properties 
Financing is the best return you're going to get. 16 to 20% cash on cash return. If that's not possible for you because of your financial situation, second best option in my opinion will be just using cash and buying that property outright um, and still getting a 10% return, getting tax benefits, etc. The third type of project that I want to talk about is the Burr project. So Burr projects are when you buy a, buy a property that's distressed, you rehab it with your crew, you rent it out, have the property management company find a tenant for you, and then you do a refinance. Um, so there's, there's a couple moving parts here. So the first is going to be buying that property, right? Uh, and rehabbing it. And that's going to, those two items are going to cost cash. Um, so there's a couple of different options. You can either use an equity investor, you can use a hard money lender, or you can use your own cash to buy the property and to rehab it. The second part of the equation is doing the refinance. And for the refinance, of course, the best loan you're going to get is again from a conventional bank. So a big bank, get a conventional loan, um, Fannie Mae loan. That's 30 years, 5 to 6% interest. Um, they'll do an appraisal and you'll be able to pull out hopefully all of the cash you have in that deal. <clears throat> and for those of you who don't know the benefits of doing the burst strategy, I'll do a little explanation. So let's say you buy a property for $50,000 and you put in uh, $25,000 into rehab. So you're all in for $75,000. And the after repair value or what the value of that property is once that renovation has been completed is $100,000, okay? So you you find that you, ha like you have $75,000 in cash. You buy the property with cash, 50 grand. Put the rehab in, $25,000, right? Um, so you have 75 grand invested in this deal, but now all your cash is sitting there, right? And you want to use, you want to get that cash out so you can turn it over and use, use that cash to do more and more projects. The property's cash flowing. There's a tenant in place paying $1,200 a month. So it's great cash flow, but now it's time to take that money out. So how do you do that? You do a refinance. So <clears throat> what you can do is go to a bunch of different banks. They can be local banks. They can be huge um, national banks like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, you can, or you can go to those local banks and see if they do cash out refinances. Typically, many companies will have loan minimums. They'll have seasoning requirements. Um, so loan minimums is like, we don't loan any properties with values less than $150,000. So all of those banks are out of the window. Um, small local banks may have very high interest. Commercial banks may have very high interest and loan minimums, very high loan minimums. Um, conventional banks may have seasoning requirements that are too long. So they may have, and what seasoning requirements means is that if you bought that property for $50,000, but you only bought it um, 20 days ago, but the rehab has been completed, they want you to be on title for that property for at least three or six months or even sometimes a year. And that's what's called that seasoning period. So you can't buy a property and then next week do a refinance. You have to be on title for 3, 6, 12 months, whatever their seasoning requirement is. <clears throat> so the best that i found is um, is Wells Fargo. They don't have any seasoning requirements. You can buy a property, rehab it, as long as you show <coughs> the amount of money that was spent on that rehab, then you're able to 
pull all of that all of that money out. So it's called a deferred a def cash out deferred refinance, I believe, under Fannie Mae. Um, and Wells Fargo is the only bank that would allow me to do it. Uh, bank of America required one year of seasoning. Other big banks required one year seasoning. Small local banks, commercial lenders had just too high of an interest, eight, nine, ten percent. Wells Fargo is the only one who would really give me five, six percent interest um, and 30 years locked in um, for the cash out refinance. And also they had, so if, you, if you're on title for less than six months, then you have to do um, that deferred refi refinance or the cash out deferred refinance. I'm not, I believe that's what it's called. Um, if you've owned the property for over six months, then you can do a regular refinance. So they'll essentially just, you say, <coughs> I want to do a cash out refinance for this property. They'll just do an appraisal on that property, see what the value is, and then give you, give you a loan on that property. So going back to the example, sorry, that was a lot of sidetracking, but going back to the example, you bought a property for 50 grand, you put $25,000 into it. So you're all in for $75,000. Okay. Now you've owned the property for six months, so you can go to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever bank you choose and say, hey, I want to do a cash out refinance. I've owned it for six months, so I have six months of seasoning. Does that work and what are your terms? Okay, you get some good terms. Um, the bank does the appraisal. The appraisal comes back at $100,000, exactly where you thought um, the appraisal would come back at. So this is terrific because Wells Fargo or Bank of America, let's say they do, or any, the bank you're talking to does a 25% down payment required, right? So they're going to, they're not going to give you a loan for a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to give you a loan for $75,000. Well, Hmm, that's exactly the amount of money that you have in that deal, right? You bought it for 50, $25,000 in rehab. So you're all in for 75. And now the bank's coming to you and saying, Hey, your property's worth a hundred grand. Here's $75,000, right? So now you essentially own this property for free and you have $25,000 worth of equity. So you made 25 grand and that 25 grand is just sitting in your property and now you have all your cash back to go and do it again. So that's what the benefits of doing this burr strategy is and are. <coughs> it allows you to grow your rental property portfolio without using any of your own cash if you do it right. So there's a lot of weight sitting and there's a huge bottleneck sitting on that appraised value, right? If that property appraised for, for 80 grand, if that property appraised for 90 grand, you're going to have to put money into that deal. Um, if that, if that property appraised for, for exactly what you have in it, 75 grand, then it would have been way better just to buy a turnkey rental property and not take any of that risk, the rehab risk, not manage any of that crap. Um, and just buy the property for what it's worth from day one. So that's one of the huge risks with these Burr projects um, is just everything is weighing on this appraisal. Um, and especially if you're a new investor, you know, going into a new market or a new neighborhood, um, it can be very scary to have all, you know, $75,000 of your own cash sitting in a deal, just waiting for and praying that the property appraises for a hundred grand. So kind of the best ways to fund your Burr projects, um, hard money lenders are an option, um, but I would stay away from them. Um, just because again, you have a lot of weight sitting on the, this appraised value. Um, so let's say you bought a, you know, you bought that same house for 
70 for 50 grand put 25 grand into it but you used a hard money lender so you still had to put some of your own money but you financed the rest of it with a hard money lender so you already have to pay the three granted points and fees that they're going to require <clears throat> and then each month you have to pay interest right so what if that property doesn't appraise then what is your other exit strategy to put it on the market do you think that that property is going to sell for that appraised value or you know for your after repair value if it is on the market um and then what if it doesn't then you have to because rental properties typically when you put them on the market you know use a, a real estate agent is they don't sell you're dealing with investors now right they're not homeowners so typically you're not going to get that arv that you're that you're hoping for um and typically projects that you're doing that are going to be rental properties to go and you know take the tenants out and make it more of a single family home um Typically, you have to put a lot more money into that deal to make it a single-family home where somebody's going to live instead of a place where somebody's going to rent out that property. So I would be very careful with the hard money lenders <coughs> funding your Burr projects. It's weighing heavily on that appraised value. If that appraised value doesn't hit, then you're kind of screwed um, with with options. Um, you can try to put that property on the market for for sale, but you know, what if it sits on the market for six months um, and you got to pay that hard money loan the whole time? Another option, if you don't have enough money to do the whole project with your own cash, is to use joint venture equity funds. So go to an equity investor, somebody you know who has a little bit of money, <coughs> pitch them the same type of thing. Hey, um, I want to buy this property, I want to rehab it, and I want to rent it out, and then I want to do a cash out refinance and pull all my cash out, right? You can go to them with two options. You want to, you can stay in the deal or I can exit you once I do the cash out refinance, which will be in six, seven, eight months. Um, and you can kind of present them both options. They could choose what works best for them. So one option could be, hey, let's buy this property. We'll rehab, I'll rehab it, rent it out. We'll do the refinance and then we'll hold it together under our own personal names and we'll split the the cash uh, the cash flow from that property. For single family homes, it kind of becomes a pain in the ass because you're splitting $200, $300 a month. So it's not a lot of money you're working with and to do all the accounting and all that crap each and every month for um, that little amount of money come, becomes a hassle. So another option is to use the go to the equity investor and say hey i want to buy this property rehab it rent it out do a refinance and once i do the refinance i'll i'll pay you a certain fee which gives you a certain amount of 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 profit or interest right so i'll still provide you a great return you know contingent on this property appraising for this value and if it doesn't appraise for this value then we're just going to hold that property for the long term together and split the cash flow so that's another option that you can use um, something else too um, is you can look for private money lenders, which are great for these Burr, Burr projects and funding these Burr projects. And they're the best, but they are very hard to find. Um, not a lot of people want to do it. So what private money lenders are, PMLs, are people who have cash and they'll lend you that cash on your project. You go to these people and say, hey, I'll pay you 10 to 12% interest. For six to 12 months, I'll pay you monthly interest payments. So um, each month you're gonna get money coming into your bank account. You invest the principal into my projects. Um, so 50 or $75,000. <coughs> I'll pay you interest every single month. 
Once the refinance is done, then I'll pay you your final interest payment and I'll give you your principal back. Um, so that's how private money lenders work. Um, and again, you do have to pay you know, interest kind of just like the hard money lenders, um, but they're way more, these people are people who you can work with, hopefully. Hard money lenders are gonna be very hard and strict on you. They're not gonna be people who you can work with. So using private money for these projects is also great. Um, somebody who you know, who you trust, who trusts you, all you have to do with them is sign a promissory note, hopefully. Sometimes you'll have to sign a deed of trust, but a promissory note is pretty much a, a promise to pay. So it's a promise of you to pay them back their principal um, once the project has been complete, you know, after a certain period of time. The last and final project type that I will be talking about is going to be the multifamily. So a couple different options. Um, remember in the last episode, the one where my father came on and spoke, um, when he got his apartment building, his multifamily apartment building, he was able to both use a local lender and use seller financing to where he didn't have to put in any money and he was able to own this apartment building. So that's best case scenario um, is when you can find apartment building that you, you know, lower no money down, right? Everybody hears that all the time. But, you know, you go and find an apartment building. Um, <clears throat> you find a, a commercial or a local lender who can lend you the funds. Then you ask the seller too, hey, for this apartment building, I need to put $100,000 down, $50,000 down to buy it from you. Um, can I get a loan from you? Can you do some seller financing? Um, so can you give me fifty dollars or $100,000 and I'll pay you interest out of this property, out of the cash flow of this property um, to you. Um, so some lenders, some sellers, because they trust their building and they have extra cash or whatever it may be, or they will have extra cash from the sale, they're totally fine with leaving their, a little bit of money in the deal and making some interest payments. So that's a, that's a terrific option. Besides from that, let's say you wanted to buy an apartment building. Um, commercial lenders are great. Local lenders are great. Um, and also there's a lot of large like Fannie Mae small multifamily loans that a lot of lenders are providing. I know CBRE has a loan program for small multifamily. So those are anywhere from one to $2 million or $1 million plus deals. Um, and those are great financing. Um, so something that I recently found out about multifamily is that a lot of lenders do what's called, um, they'll put your loans on five-year arms. So what that means is you'll get a, let's say you're buying an apartment building um, and the you know, you're buying it for a million dollars. The bank's giving you $750,000. You're putting $250,000 of your own money into that deal. Um, and your interest rate today is going to be five, 6%, right? But in five years, what a five-year arm means is that every five years, they look at what the value of the property is and they also look at what the current interest rate is and they change it. So every five years, you're essentially doing a refinance. Now, with the way the market is today, what do you think the interest rate is going to be in five years? It's going to be much higher, right? So me signing a five-year arm today, I don't feel comfortable with. My deal today may underwrite, underwrite well and <coughs> the cash flow may work really well at five or 6% interest. But in five years, I don't know what the interest rate's going to be. Could the interest rate be 10, 12, 13%? Is my deal still going to cash flow at that price? Will I have to sell? 
will other people be able to buy it because the interest rates are so high? Um, so those are the kinds of things that worry me about these these large commercial loans. Um, so be aware of that when you're talking to local banks um, or the national banks about buying these multifamily properties. Um, the best financing you're ever going to get is with the is with one to four units. I mean, nothing beats thirty years locked in at a low interest rate. Lowest we're going to see in the next thirty years, um, I believe. Um, and nothing's going to beat that five percent interest rate locked in for thirty years. Um, so that's something that's a huge difference when you're getting into that multifamily space is to really watch out for the loans that you're getting and know what you're getting into. Um, <clears throat> a lot of multifamily loans also have five or 10 year balloons. So amortization may be 25 or 30 years, but the five or 10 year balloon means that all of the, the principal that is due in year five or year 10 needs to be paid. Um, so you can do an, it, but it means you have to do another refinance. So you, Every five or ten years, you're going to have to do a refinance, and then that's going to increase your interest rate because the interest rate's only going to go up from here. Um, so those are some things that I would watch out for. But definitely with with multifamily, large multifamily, um, you can talk to some small commercial lenders, and then I would also talk to um, some large lenders that are doing like it's it's called Fannie Mae Small Multifamily. <laughs> they have their own loan program, but then um, a lot of big banks will do it. Like CBRE creates loans for the Fannie Mae small multifamily because they have to follow certain regulations. So CBRE and a bunch of other lenders, you can go and type Fannie Mae small multifamily in Google and there'll be a bunch of lenders will pop up. Um, but for multifamily deals, what I do when I get one under contract is I just I literally just get on the horn and call as many people as I possibly can. I'll call all the local lenders who are doing doing commercial loans on the ground, and then I'll also call all the big guys too and just see who literally gets me the best rate, right? Um, you never know what a local provider <coughs> could be giving you. Um, they may be trying to get some loans closed by the end of the year, by the end of the month, whatever it may be, and might be, provide you some really good rates. Um, so finding these, these multifamily lenders who who don't have that five-year arm and who have 15, 25-year amortization um, is terrific um, because you're gonna be locked into that rate for the next five, um, for the next 15, 25 years. So I hopeful, hope that was helpful. That was a 30 minutes of me just yapping away, but I thought it was important. I've been getting a lot of questions about, you know, should I use cash or refinance? and you know, setting up your deals and wondering how to finance them or should you use your own cash um, is a question that comes up a lot. And, <clears throat> you know, my methodology is to put as little of my own money into each deal as possible. Um, and that's just because I don't have a lot of money. Um, you know, if you're if you're cash heavy and and don't have as many projects and maybe put put a lot of your cash and raise a little bit of money or don't raise money at all. It all really depends on your situation. But um Good luck out there. Let me know if you have any other questions. Um, would be happy to answer those questions on upcoming podcasts. Thanks for listening. Um, please make sure to subscribe to us. Go back and listen to the other episodes and keep listening to um, what's going to be coming up here shortly. Um, have a bunch more planned and hopefully going to bring on some other cool people to come and chat with us. So thanks for listening. See you guys.